Are you ready to be motivated? motivated? Are you ready to receive some advice on how to live life at the next level? Next level. Well, you are in the right place. For the next few moments, Dr. Sims, America's number one personal development expert, will give tips on how to live a motivated life. He will be interviewing successful people who have tipped the scale of life in their favor. Get your notebooks, get your pens, open your ears, and listen to America's number one personal development expert, Dr. Walter Sims. Well, happy Motivational Monday, everybody, and happy Memorial Day. This is Dr. Walter Sims. I am America's number one personal development expert, and I want to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day. Oh, we got a great show lined up for you today. Podcast. I'm interviewing uh, a retired colonel in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, he's uh, also currently working for the Home Depot, and I'm excited to have uh, had the opportunity to sit down with him a few moments and share some things with him about leadership and the power of example. Well, listen, we want to take a few moments just to um, recognize the men and women who have given their life uh, serving our country. You know, the freedoms that we enjoy in these United States you know, we kind of take it for granted sometimes, but there are men and women uh, who dedicate and who have dedicated their lives uh, to serving our country. And we just want to pause for just a moment and say thank you. And for those that have retired and those that are continually uh, serving our country, uh, we want to tell you thank you. Uh, you know, a lot of times we, uh, uh, we don't say it enough, but thank you. Uh, you go to bat for us uh, every time uh, we need you. You're there for us. And we want to say thank you. Listen, guys, uh, I, I ask that you will subscribe uh, to my podcast. Uh, it's uh, bit.ly slash doc iTunes. Until uh, you know, I get a website for it, that's how you can get to my iTunes channel. Just put in my name, uh, the Dr. Walter Sims Show Podcast. Uh, and it should pull it up. Well, listen, I'm not going to say much more. I just want to, uh, again, thank Colonel Ted Stutter for being uh, my guest today. And I just uh, appreciate you for listening uh, to the podcast. And I'm, I, how did you like my uh, my introduction? It is new. I am so excited about my introduction. Um, uh, just, 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 you know what, just getting better every day. And, uh, so listen, listen, I'm gonna just, I'm, I'm gonna uh, finish my housekeeping. I'm done. And so I want you to take just a few moments and enjoy this interview that I had with Colonel Ted Studdard. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Walter Sims Show podcast. Uh, I have a very, very special guest with me, and most of the shows that we record, we're going to air them on our motivational uh, Monday spot for the podcast, and I'm really excited about our guest today. And again, uh, a little housekeeping, I'm Dr. Walter Sims, America's number one personal development expert, and I am the Minister of Motivation. I believe that if you stay how life, life will stay how you. I was very fortunate to be part of a leadership academy uh, uh, just just last week, and just met some wonderful people. And one of the uh, persons that stood out to me, uh, he's a retired colonel 
uh, from the Marines. Uh, he's currently working uh, uh, part of the management team at the Home Depot, and just, just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. And I don't want to steal his thunder. I'm going to let him introduce himself. But he, he talked about leadership and made so many uh, great points about it. But one of the points uh, that stood out to me uh, was the one that he said one of the greatest, greatest leaders in his life taught him by example. And I wanted to share, I wanted us to talk a little bit about that today because a lot of times we as leaders, and I posted this on LinkedIn, we as leaders forget sometimes that our greatest asset is simply our example. So without any further ado, Colonel Ted Studdard, how you doing, young man? Oh, I am doing fantastic, Dr. Sims, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, well, my friend, I'm 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 so glad that uh, you could take a few moments with us, and uh, I'm just uh, just really thrilled to have you. You just really, really touched my heart as we were saying uh, in our pre-production uh, call. I was saying how how much your uh, message just resonated with me, and, and 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 if you don't mind, do us a favor. Would you introduce yourself to our listeners today? Who is Colonel Ted Stutter? Oh, gosh, that's a loaded question, Dr. Sims. Um, my name's Ted Studdard, and I was very fortunate to spend 25 years serving our country as a Marine officer. Uh, I went to the University of Georgia, and that's where I got my start. And then uh, through the 25 years uh, as a Marine officer, I was just so, so fortunate to serve with some incredible leaders who took the time to teach me and really set a great example through their teachings and also set a great example through their everyday action. And and I truly believe I would not be here today if it were not for those leaders. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, that's so true. And I, uh, I retired from the Marine Corps in 2013, and I started with Home Depot in 2013. And I've had an opportunity to teach leadership at Home Depot and currently, I work in the staffing uh, part of the Home Depot for our merchandising organization. So I spend a lot of time traveling uh, and spend a lot of time in the western part of the U.S. as part of my job. But just absolutely happy to be here with you today. Well, my, my dear friend, I uh, uh, again, I'm just, just thrilled to um, have you here with us. And, and I know you have just so... Uh, many stories that you could tell us, but uh, you really touched my heart when, uh, again, one of your um, leaders in your organization really taught you by example. And and why did that stand out to you? Because I'm sure you have read leadership books on top of leadership books on top of leadership books, uh, but you really drove this point home uh, that he could have he could have went north, east, south, and west on you, but he took a few moments out just to teach you, and he shared with you by way of example. Why is a leader's example so powerful, Colonel Ted? You know, I think we can all talk, and everybody talks a good game, but really where the rubber meets the road is what you do on the day-to-day basis. Oh, that's and good. I, and, and I would take that even a step further. It's really what you do when nobody's looking. And I think that defines character. And leaders, you, you know, the higher you go, the more people – see you, the more people that pay attention to you. And, you know, as a junior leader, you can make mistakes and you can do some pretty stupid things and learn from that. But the higher up you go, 
you don't have that opportunity to make those kinds of mistakes. And I think a lot of times as leaders, the higher we go, we forget how many people are looking at us. You know, we don't think of ourselves as special, but everybody that, uh, that we are there as a leader ultimately to serve, they do think of us as special. And you don't realize people are looking at you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It could be at the 7-Eleven. It could be at the PTA meeting. <laughs> it could be sitting in church. Although it's out of work, people are looking at you. And as a leader, I think you have to be that holistic person or that holistic leader. It's just not at work or whatever your role is. It's a, it's a lifetime type thing. And it's something very special. And one, one other thing I'll say with leadership, so many times people think they have the right to be a leader, and I think that's absolutely false. Leadership is a privilege, and it, it needs to be held near and dear, and it's a tremendous responsibility. And when somebody takes on that role of a leader, they are assuming that additional responsibility, and that's, that's a, it's a privilege to have that responsibility, but... You know, sometimes folks uh, maybe get that backwards and think everybody's there for them when, in fact, it's just the other way around. You know, with that, that man, you – and, again, uh, when you said that uh, in your presentation, that jumped out uh, to me as well. And, and like I said, I posted this on LinkedIn because that just – that really blessed me because uh, uh, I've been in leadership um, for, for about as long as you have. And, that again, that blessed me because a lot of times we take for granted – uh, being a leader, but it is definitely a privilege. When when did that really really set in with you? I mean, you've been you were in the service twenty five years. You've been uh, uh, in management at Home Depot for, for several years now. Uh, your father, your husband. When did that really really the light came on for you that says, wait a minute, I'm responsible for people. I'm a leader. Was there something in your career? one day, one event, one moment that that really just jumped out at you and hit you like a ton of brakes and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Ted, you're a leader. You know, Dr. Sims, I had uh, a unique opportunity as a young Marine uh, to go to combat, and I was a platoon commander in combat at an early age. I had not yes, sir. on active duty in the Marine Corps, you know, as a fleet Marine, uh, uh, gosh, just over a year, and and we were in combat. And I think <clears throat> I had to realize that pretty early on that, you know, these are my guys, and and everything that I do has to be to make my team, my Marines, as good as they can be. Uh, I, it's a responsibility, and I think it's an obligation that you have. Um, you know, as a leader, you're there to teach, you're there to train, you're there to mentor. And the better or the better or the the more you elevate your team and the individuals on that team, the better the results are going to be for everybody. So, um, I, and again, I was fortunate. I had some phenomenal examples, and I could go uh, of the different roles that I had in the Marine Corps. I had 16 different leadership roles, and I learned something at every one of those levels. And something I learned at the previous level always aided in the next level. And I think that leadership is really a, an evolutionary process that we continue to grow as leaders. We learn more about ourselves. We learn more about people. We learn different techniques and procedures. 
But at the end of the day, it's pretty simple. It's a golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated, and uh, and things will kind of work themselves out. Oh, that is that. You know that is, I, I I love that as well. And and let me ask you this because you were just so again you were just so transparent uh, in in your presentation, your talk with us uh, in Vegas uh, last week. Is there any one or two things that if you have the opportunity as a leader, is there any one or two things that you would love to go back and say, if I had an opportunity to do a do-over, I would have done that a little bit different? Because a lot of times we think we have to be perfect, but a lot of times we're learning as we go as well as, you know, the people that we're leading. So is there anything, Colonel, is there anything in your tenure that if you could go back and redo, would you redo it? Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, say the long and short of it, huh? Oh my goodness! I wish I could say no to that, but that would not be true. And in fact, if you will allow me, I've got a story I'd like to share with please, you. Please, please do. Please do. I had just taken over a uh, Marine artillery battery, which is about two hundred Marines and and sailors. And it's a field unit, and of course we shoot the big cannons and machine guns, and and have a lot of moving parts and pieces. And I had I was a brand new captain, so still a very young officer. I wasn't even 30 years old, and you know that's to that point in your career, that's the pinnacle of your career to be a captain and a company or a battery commander. And I was just on top of the world. And I had taken over a unit. Um, that I knew had had some challenges along the way. Um, mm-hmm. And we had a chance to go to the field. And I'd been in command for, gosh, less than a month. And it was my first time to take my team out. When I say out to the field, we're training on our wartime mission. And we've been out in the field in Camp Pelton in Southern California for a little over a week. And it was just miserable. It rained every day, everything that we had was soaking wet. Every howitzer had been stuck. I mean, we were covered in mud from head to toe. Wow. And I was I was pleasantly surprised, though. The Marines uh, were doing a great job. And, and the unit didn't have that good of a reputation initially. So I was pleasantly surprised. And on a... So we'd been out there for about a week, and on a Wednesday evening, my executive officer, my second-in-command, comes up to me as as the sun's going down, and it's still raining cats and dogs. He says, hey, sir, you know, something we've done in the past, we'd like to surprise the Marines. We'll take them in a day early. We'll turn our weapons back into the Army. We'll put our gear up. We'll give them a long weekend. We'll have some beer and pizza back. You know, we're not, not the major dirt off, but we'll then come back in on Monday the Marine will, you know, be a great thing. Well, this was the antithesis of of what we do as Marines. You take care of your your weapons, you take care of your equipment, then you take care of your bodies in that order. And, oh, by the way, there's a small thing that we were training for called combat. And, you know, you don't get to call a timeout because you're wet, tired, cold, hungry, and go back and have beer and pizza. It just doesn't work that way. And it really rubbed me the wrong way. And I thought, what's this guy asking me? He knows better than this. And that's a key part of the story that we'll come back to. Okay. But I said, I said, no, 
No, of course not. We're going to come back in on Friday just like we had planned, and we're going to continue to train. And so we did. So we finished out, uh, you know, the rest of Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, and Friday morning rolls around. And as, as fate would have, the sun came out as it was time for us to go, go back to our base. So the sun comes out. We get all our gear, equipment, Marines back to the base. And this is a midday. And I had a meeting I needed to go to. So I went to the meeting. I left my, uh, my executive officer in charge. And, you know, he knew what to do. We needed to clean our gear and equipment. We needed to put it away in the armory, in the motor pool, or in the gun park. And then we would have formation and turn the Marines loose. But only after everything was properly accounted for, cleaned, and put away. Well, my meeting finished a little sooner than I thought, so I thought, you know, what if I just walk through the motor pool and then go through the armory and check on everybody? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. Nobody was around. And so I started looking at our trucks, and they really weren't clean. In fact, there was a lot of trash and debris in the trucks, and they, they hadn't been properly taken care of. So I went and I looked at our howitzers, and they were in the same condition. Then I walked down to the armory, and, and some of our weapons were clean, but some of the weapons absolutely were not clean. So I called my chief subordinate leaders in. There are probably 14 or 15 of these guys. And I called them in my office. And I said, hey, guys, are, are we ready to secure the Marines or let them go for the weekend? And, and they all said yes. So I went back around the room. I asked everyone individually. I said, are your Marines good to go? Is, are your gear, weapons, everything accounted for, cleaned, and put away properly. Yes, 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 around the room. I said, very well, we'll go turn the Marines loose and then come back in here and meet me. So, you know, went ahead and turned the formation loose, and the Marines went home for the weekend, and these guys came back in, and I wore them out. And sometimes I can be a little too good at that, you know, and, and <laughs> I, was, I was on a roll. Oh, my goodness. I, I tore them up. And um, at the end of that, I said, guys, we're staying here. I, you know, I, I gave them a, just a chewing out like you'd never had before. And I kept them there, myself included, and all of us cleaned that gear and equipment. We were there till after midnight. And I tell you, there was no love lost. I thought I was going to get a letter bomb the next day. And I was so angry at these guys, and I just, I had, you know, I just let it go. And I wanted them to know how mad I was. But then it dawned on me that I had really done the wrong thing. It made me feel good to kind of vent that anger for a few minutes. But at the end of the day, these weren't bad guys. In fact, they were good Marines. What had happened, though, over, you know, the, perhaps their previous leader had just, cut some corners here and there. And I'm sure he didn't do it on purpose, but, you know, little things start to erode. And before you know it, your standards have slipped significantly. And these guys were typically pretty young Marines, and they were only doing what they had been allowed to do. Wow. And so, you know, I took my, my frustration out on them, and in reality, I blew it. This would have been a perfect teaching moment to me. And ultimately, leaders are there to teach. And had I just simply said, okay, guys, let's walk and you show me how things are put away, they would have seen the same things I did, and they would have corrected it, and it would have been their mistake 
but the way I went about it, you know, just just in the attack mode, it absolutely uh, undercut every teaching opportunity that I had. And oh, by the way, we're humans, and nobody likes to be talked to like that anyway. So it took a while. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, at the, when I turned over the command, we had made up ground, and it was a phenomenal unit. But I probably set us back three months in building a good command relationship and building a good team atmosphere because I lost my cool. And wow. so that was a big lesson. One, don't lose your cool. And two, people aren't trying to screw up. These Marines weren't trying to mess something up. They weren't trying to do anything wrong. When you look in the mirror, people will do what they're allowed to do. And perhaps the standards had been allowed to slip, and they were doing what was okay uh, with the previous leader. So... Um, you know, I guess I can air a little bit of my own dirty laundry there, but gosh, it was a um, it was an incredible learning moment for me, and I immediately knew after the fact that I had messed up, and wow. it took a while to clean up my mess, and it was absolutely my mess, and I created it. Wow, and and, and that is so in line uh, with what we're talking about this evening, setting that good example. Yes, and setting that good example. Oh, my gosh, yes. In, in fact, I'd like to tell you another story, if you don't mind. Yes, sir. Of leadership. Um, I, so fast forward about 15 years, and I end up, I was a lieutenant colonel, and I was working in the Pentagon. And I was responsible for the current operations team for Afghanistan and Pakistan. And um, I had just really gotten into that role, and I was really still learning what I was supposed to be doing. And I was the early guy one morning, and what that means is I came in before the team at 4 o'clock, and we got everything ready for our morning brief, when it went up to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And normally that was wrapped up by 6.30 in the morning, and then we would start our day after that. Well, on this particular Friday, I happened to be the early guy, so I was in early, got the brief ready, and the rest of the team came in. In the morning, it was off to a, a really a good start. And somebody from our front office came down to, uh, to our office and said, Ted, I've got a job for you. I need you to go work with our future operations team on a project, and uh, we need you to represent you know, our part of the team, the Afghanistan and Pakistan team in this project. And I was thrilled to do it because at this point, I was still trying to find my way to the bathroom. So this was the first opportunity. You know, I was really allowed to really spread my wings a little bit in the Pentagon. So I go up there, and we probably start about 7 o'clock in the morning, and we work until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was really excited. My, my leader, who I had known for years, and he had been a mentor of mine and a, and a dear friend of mine, um, he was our section leader, but he was gone that morning, and so I was looking forward to calling him and telling him what we had done that afternoon. And as I picked up the phone to call him, he said, where in the world are you, and what have you been doing? I said, well, hey, sir, I've been working on this project. He said, get down here now. And when I say get down here, we worked in the National Military Command Center, which is, you know, in the basement of the Pentagon. Right. And 
I go from the, the office that we were in down through several different levels and through the different layers of security. And I get back to our office about five minutes later, and he's there to meet me. And I thought, there's got to be a mistake because, you know, he doesn't talk to me that way. And, um, you know, we have done some great work. Well, when I see him, I can see this look in his eyes, and I thought, uh-oh, something's really wrong here. He said, Ted, what have you been doing? And I explained to him what I had been working on. He said, okay, listen. You were working on a part of the project, but you're responsible for the main part of the project. And, oh, by the way, it's not done. And it's due to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at 430. This is wow. on a Friday afternoon. So you can imagine, you know, you get that little knot in your stomach. You get that cold sweat that goes down your back. It was a very unpleasant feeling. So there were eight guys on our team from all services, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps. And uh, Dr. Sims, you should have seen it. We look like Santa's workshop on steroids. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we were working and working and working, and it took about five hours to complete this project. But we completed it a little after 9 o'clock. And it was, uh, it was a classified piece that we were working on, so we had to put it you know, in an envelope, and then that envelope had to go in an envelope, and then we had to seal it in a locked bag. So I got it all locked up and sealed properly, and I took it to our overall leader. And our leader for this part of the um, current operations team was a one-star from a different service. And I took it in there to him, and, and obviously you could just cut the tension with the knife. It was a rough evening. And I said, sir, this is ready for you to take up there. And he looked at me and he said, do you think I'm about to take this to an angry Marine general? And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, absolutely, I'm expecting you to. You're our leader. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm not about to do that. And I said, well, sir, I'll take it, thinking that he's going to say no. Well, he said yes. <laughs> and, and it's kind of funny now, but at the time, it was not such a funny thing. I bet it was I truly felt like I was walking the green mile, you know, like in the Tom Hanks movie. Uh, and I thought, gosh, I knew this Marine general. I, I had only met him briefly. He had a great reputation. And I thought, here I am, my first real interaction with this guy, other than just a, a meet and greet, is I'm five-plus hours late on a project, and it doesn't matter that I was tasked with the wrong thing early in the morning. It's ultimately my responsibility. There's no excuse. It's my fault. And so I trudge all the way up there to see him, thinking that, you know, if he really wanted to, he could, uh, he could fire me right there on the spot. And he would be, um, nobody would question it because this was late. And to put this in a little more context, this was going to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was to, supposed to study it you know, that evening, and then he was to deliver it to his boss the next morning. So a pretty big deal. Well, I go into his office, and he is not in the outer office, but he is in his back office, and the light is on. And he says, Ted, come in. And he looks at me. He says, Ted, is this your best work? Well, how in the world do you answer that? And so I take a deep breath. I look at him. I say, no, sir, it's not. And I was just expecting to get a face shot at this point. But instead, he said, well, let's take a look at this. So we unwrapped everything, took it out of the, you know, the locked bag, and we laid it out on his stand-up desk. 
And Dr. Sims, for the next 30 minutes, we went through this, this document page by page by page. Wow. And said, Ted, do you understand what we're doing with this? Do you understand how this informs decisions? Do you understand how this information needs to be laid out so it's easy to understand? And so, you know, it makes our decision-making process not only more, more uh, clear, but it helps us make better decisions. And do you realize that this has not only impact on our country, but countries around the world? you understand that? So, Dr. Sims, he taught me more in 30 minutes than I had learned in the previous three months in the Pentagon. It was incredible. And I think I could go so far as to say I learned more in that 30-minute period than any other 30-minute period in my life. Wow. That is awesome. So, so, yeah, it was incredible. So what really struck me is here this guy is. He's teaching me. He's physically teaching me page by page like a, a scholar and a student. He taught me. But, Dr. Sims, I think the bigger thing is he taught me through his example. He didn't yell. Right. He didn't scream. He didn't holler. He didn't browbeat me. He took the time to teach me, and he had the moral courage to keep the chairman waiting, knowing that I needed to learn this to be productive on the joint staff for the next two years. The funny thing is, I, I, you know, he ended up taking that to the chairman and taking the face shot, not like our intermediate leader. Uh, and that, to me, again, was a huge, huge piece of moral courage. Amen. And he didn't throw you. He didn't throw you under the bus, did he? No, no, he didn't. And to finish that story, I get home, my wife meets me at the door, and I kid you not, she's got her hand over the phone, and she says, you've got a call from the White House. And I thought, could this day just get any better? <laughs> but, you know, let me tell you the rest of this story. Okay. That Marine, that Marine was a one-star general at, at the time, and his name is General, now four-star general, Joe Dunford. Joe Dunford today is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. That's the kind of leader he was. Nobody saw that. It was just the two of us. He could have done anything in the world and been well within his rights to do so. But he took the time to teach. And that's what leaders do. Leaders teach. And you contrast that to the story that I told you when I was a young captain Gosh, if I had taken the same approach that General Dunford took, just imagine how quickly our team would have come together. It wouldn't have taken that extra three months. We would have hit the ground running, and I had that great opportunity handed to me on a platter, and I blew it. General wow. Dunford, on the other hand, had that opportunity, and he he made lemons, or he took lemons and made lemonade out of it. And the rest of this is, I didn't realize it at the time, and I'm sure he didn't know it, but we would end up serving together really for the next three years uh, in one capacity or, the, or another. And he was our overall commander when I was operations officer for the Marine Corps in Afghanistan. And because of the way he reacted and he handled that situation, he created the opportunity for us to have a great working relationship. And it was such that we could pick up the phone and talk to each other and, and really understand what the other needed and where the other was coming from. So it really improved our communications. 
And I think it allowed us to do some really pretty significant things later on in both our careers because of the way he handled that situation. So wow. as far as I'm concerned, leaders teach. No matter what they do, leaders teach. That, that, that is so uh, – Colonel Ted, I, I, <laughs> I could listen to you all day, my brother. You, uh, I, I just hear your heart and, and the, the, the hurt and then the listening to um, – how uh, that one-star gym that time, he's a four-star now, uh, uh, Dunford, how he took that opportunity to teach you. And I bet now every opportunity you have to teach somebody, you don't mind teaching, do you? You know what, Dr. Sims? Anytime you have the opportunity to teach, it's a privilege, and you have to take advantage of it. You got to. You have to. So let me ask you this: In the last couple of moments of our interview, what what's next for you, Colonel? What uh, you you went from Marine to uh, doing some awesome things with the Home Depot on their management team. So so is is there anything else on your bucket list that Colonel Ted Sturdy wants to do? <laughs> you know, there's a light in that bucket list. Um, you know, I, I love talking to people in organizations and groups about leadership. I have been so fortunate to serve with some phenomenal leaders along the way, and I, I just feel an obligation to share the things that I have learned because people taught me, and I would love to have the opportunity to turn around and, and share this gift that I've been given with others. Oh, that is so awesome. Well, listen, how, how can people, uh, if they want to reach out to you, how can people get in touch with Colonel Ted Studdard? You know, it's real simple. Ted Studdard at AOL.com, T-E-D-S-T-U-D-D-A-R-D at AOL.com. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Oh, that is so awesome, my brother. Well, listen, I, I just, again, thank you for these few moments, uh, my friend, and this will be uh, on my podcast, uh, and it will be uploaded, and we're going to uh, play this interview uh, for Memorial Day. And just, uh, again, I, I, excuse my manners. Uh, I want to thank you for your service, and it's men like you uh, that keeps our uh, nation as safe as she is, and I, I thank you for you continuing your service uh, to our fellow men and women, boys and girls, and, and just thank you for being the man that you are, Brother Ted. Dr. Sims, thank you so much, and I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to chat with you this afternoon, and, and thank you for what you're doing. Well, I appreciate you, Brother Ted. Hey, guys, y'all hold tight. Uh, when we come back, we got a couple more uh, moments of motivation that I want to share with you. Y'all hold tight. We'll be right back. Was that not an awesome interview with uh, my friend Colonel Ted Studdard? And I love, I just love those stories that he told uh, uh, about a, a bad example of leadership and a great example of leadership. And I hope you uh, could take away some things uh, to add to your own leadership equation and how you do business. I want to take a few moments and talk a little bit about desire. Since this is Motivation of Monday, I want to talk a little bit about desire. Do you remember a time in your life where you achieved something 
and, and that achievement could be uh, graduate from college, uh, receiving a doctorate, uh, getting a promotion, um, your first child, your first house, a wedding, uh, getting married, etc. Whatever that thing was that you achieved. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you could probably list several things uh, that went into you achieving that thing. But probably what stands out more than anything is your level of desire. And so if you're not achieving uh, uh, something right now, I pretty I would bet money that your level of desire is not where it needs to be. I challenge you. Uh, to really check and see whether or not you want this thing that you're striving for. Because I have a quote for you. If you want to, you will. If you don't want to, you'll find an excuse. And so I need you to really sit down and look your hand over uh, your level of desire, your level of want to. Because I'm telling you, look at when you were really successful. You wanted that thing, didn't you? Come on now. Look at the other night, uh, um, how Golden State and, and Houston Rockets, uh, the Boston Celtics, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they are all vying for an NBA championship. And when they hit the floor, you can see their level of desire. So how strong is your desire today? I challenge you to check your want to. Hey, listen, this has been Dr. Walter Sims. I am America's number one personal development expert. And you're wondering about my my podcast platform. I'm using Cherbit.com. That's C-H-I-R-B-I-T.com. I share with the president that I would give him a shout out on my show. And they are one of my sponsors. And so if you're looking for a podcast platform, uh, check out Cherbit. C-H-I-R-B-I-T.com. And that is their Twitter, Twitter handle as well. C-H-I-R-B-I-T. IT. Listen, I got to get out of here. I'm going to be airing a new episode, a new interview every Monday at a minimum um, for, for Motivational Monday. And listen, if you want to find me, it's easy to find me. If you need some help in your life, if you need help figuring this thing out called life, uh, just shoot me a tweet at Dr. Walter Sam. You go to my website, drwaltersam.com. And I would love to hear from you. I would love to come alongside of you and share your life with you. And remember, as I always say, if you stay high on life, life is going to stay high on you.